Oh, hello, hello. I can be kind of soft-spoken, so I need the mic. Um, so, yes, this is the summer quarter auditorium class. We'll be looking at the book of Esther. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, um, we didn't actually go into the text just, so, just yet. We just kind of looked at um, uh, the, the, the reality of the book. Uh, there were some, there are some challenges and... and um, uh, Points of contention, if you will, about the book uh, in the, the the scholarly scene, and uh, we just kind of looked at those, and and uh, you know we talked about how you know we, we need to be honest with some of these challenges and, and look at them fairly. Uh, but the conclusion was that even though Esther is uh, challenged uh, as as a uh, book of the Bible. Um, I don't think there's any reason for us to doubt it. I don't think there's any reason for us to uh, be skeptical of the book and, and to toss it aside. In fact, our time would be much better used uh, instead of putting walls up with limited information, uh, but rather looking at the book and what it has to say um, and, and having faith that God has preserved this book for us for a reason. Um, and, and trying to see the lesson that the book is trying to teach us. So that is where we are with Esther. Um, I meant to have a PowerPoint uh, behind me, but I ran out of time. Uh, camp has gotten me kind of running around with a, or, or like a chicken with his head cut off. So um, uh, forgive me if you want. A, if you want to look at the PowerPoint, it's not. Uh, that much information on there, but if you want it, I can give it to you somehow. Talk to me afterwards. Um, so today I wanted to just spend uh, this class period uh, just reading through the entire book of Esther. Um, I, I'll be the one reading, so uh, don't worry. I'm not going to call on somebody random to <laughs> uh, read. It can get kind of complicated, and also we don't have too much time, so uh, I'll be the one reading the, the book, but... Um, just wanted to read the book all the way through at least once uh, together. Um, of course, thank you. Um, here are more copies. Yes, yes. Uh, it's important, I think, for us to. Okay. Oh, just one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read all. Uh, I think it's important important for us to uh, engage a book like Esther. Um, like you would any other book, right? Uh, this isn't a, a, like a textbook where you got index and then you can you can look at you know certain points of the book out of context and it'll be fine. You know, it's still informative. Esther is obviously a, a, a more narrative book, right? So instead of us just going through and and going uh, you know paragraph by paragraph or uh, certain portions like that, uh, it's I think it is better for us to read all the way through and get the feel of the entire book um, and, and see what the story is all about. And then, in the coming weeks, we will look at uh, more in-depth uh, each chapter or each section um, and talk about what those uh, passages have to offer for us. So just real quick before we you know dive into the book, um, like I mentioned uh, many times already, Esther is a narrative, uh, which means it's, it's not a book of poetry. It's not like a, a, a um, 
like a compilation of uh, you know different uh, short writings. It's it's a whole it's a book, right? Like you would read any kind of fictional or non-fictional book that has a narrative flow to it, as there's like that, and and um, and that's how it's structured, right? So that means that Esther as a book, right, has elements of narrative story, narrative structure, like rising action, like conflict, resolution, right, falling action, stuff like that, right? Things you, you learn in like English 101, right? Uh, Esther has all of those. It is a narrative. So I think it's important for us to keep that in mind as we read. Sometimes I feel like uh, we treat the Bible, it is a special book, right? Uh, the books of the Bible are special, of course. Um, uh, but sometimes we treat it a little different than other books, right? You wouldn't go into a Harry Potter book in the middle, right, and start reading, you know, back and forth, picking out certain sentences. Like, that wouldn't make sense, right? So um, that's why we're going to read Esther all the way through at least once together. So the first half of the book consists of the uh, exposition and rising action, I would say, uh, and that would be chapters 1 through 5. Um, and beginning in chapter 6 is kind of like the turning point of the story, right? Chapter 6 is, is, is the pivot point of the narrative, right? That's when things kind of take a turn. And then the latter half of the book, the rest of the book, consists of, you know, resolution of the conflict, um, falling action, and uh, an epilogue, too. Um, that's chapter 7 through, through 10. Um, so that's how it's kind of broken down. Uh, if you have the packet, you, you got all the, the rough outline of the whole book. You can look at that. Um, so the book's contents have much wisdom. The reason I'm spending so much time talking about this, I'm kind of explaining myself here. Um, of course, the book's contents have much wisdom to learn from, right? What Esther's story is all about and all that kind of stuff. But, and, and we will certainly discuss those things. But uh, I think, and you know, and this is my humble opinion, the book itself, like its structure, the, like the elements that we talked about, the genre itself, all of those things I think also plays a role in, in the telling of Esther's story and what God has for us uh, with this book. Um, so I think it's beneficial for us to not just dive in and read the book, as good as that is, to also pay attention to you know, the outline of the book, the flow of the story, the narrative, and all that. Um, so... As we are reading, I want you all to kind of uh, keep your mind open um, and to try to see if there's anything that you do notice, like in terms of like pattern, or maybe you notice something the author is doing here. Uh, just kind of keep your mind open for that. Uh, multitask. <laughs> um, again, you know, just reading the book is fine, but I think we will gain from uh, keeping in mind those other uh, extra bits. So, let's go ahead and start reading the book of Esther. If I can find it. Hopefully we won't get cut off. Uh, I'll try to read pretty quickly. Um, again, uh, as you're reading with me, uh, maybe you can take a look at the outline and see see if there's like a structure that you notice. Um and keep note of those things, uh, and I'll ask you if you if anything popped out during the reading. Chapter 1. 
Now in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces, in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in Susa, the citadel, in the third year of his reign he gave a feast for all his officials and servants. The army of Persia and Media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were before him while he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars, and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of uh, porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king, and drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. For the king had given orders to all the staff of the palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast to the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. So again, because it is a narrative, Notice the characters, what the author is choosing to, to give us in terms of details, right? what he is uh, showing us, who is this King Ahasuerus, what is he like, what kind of characteristic does he have, all of those play into the narrative, so keep those in mind. All right, verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bista, uh, Harbana, Biktha, and Abakta, Zethar, Carcass and seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Meres, Marsena, and Memukan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, which is to be done to Queen Vashti, because she has not performed the command of the king Ahasuerus, delivered by the eunuchs. Then Memukan said in the presence of the king and the officials, not only against the king, has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media who, had, who have heard of the queen's behavior will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it pleases the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashi is never again to come before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree made by the king proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memekin proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to, very, to every province in his own script, and to every people in his own language, that every man be master of his own household and speak according to the language of his people. Chapter 2. 
After these things, when the anger of King Osiris had abated, he remembered Vashi and what she had done and what he what had been decreed against her. Then the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be brought out for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins in the uh, harem, harem in Susa, the citadel, in their custody of Haggai, Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given to them, and let the young women who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up uh, Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther was also taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai who had charge of the women. And the young women pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, when the turn came for each young woman to go into, uh, to go into King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of the, their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women, when the young woman sat uh, into the king in this way, she was given whatever... Uh, she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of uh, Shashgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Ab- Abihel and the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all the officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now, when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bichthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged, and the 
on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of uh, Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman, in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of uh, Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, which is they cast lots, before Haman day after day. And they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws, so that it may so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and the edict, according to all that Haman uh, commanded, was written to the king's satraps and the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all peoples, to every province in its own scripts and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods." A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. Chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put, his, put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed, clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes." When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, uh, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn uh, what this was and why it was. 
Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told them all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and commend to her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and, all, and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one whom, to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king's to come into the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai what Esther has said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do, and I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Chapter 5. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room uh, opposite the entrance of the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you even to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. And then the king said, Bring Haman quickly so that we may do as Esther asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases, if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and he sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, and all the promotions in which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come to the king, come with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows fifty cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. On that night the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds and chronicles, 
and they were read before the king. And it was found within, uh, it was found within how Mordecai uh, had told about Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows uh, that he had prepared for them. And the king's young men told him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, For the man who, whom the king delights to honor, let royal's robe be brought, which the king has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor." Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. A little bit of irony going on here. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to the house, mourning with his head covered. And Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends where everything happened to him. Then his wife, or then his uh, wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were yet t- uh, talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. Chapter 7. So the king and Haman went into the feast with uh, Queen Esther. And on the second day, they were, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, if it please the king, let, me, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent. For our afflictions is not to be compared with the loss of the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to the queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe and enemy, this wicked Haman. And Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from his wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his wife from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance of the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, fifty cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. Chapter 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he has done 
what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther said, Mordecai, over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agagites, and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the Agagites, the son of uh, Hamadatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said to King Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The king's scribes were summoned at that time on the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the twenty-third day. And an edict was written, according to all that Mordecai commanded, according to the Jews, to the satraps and the governors and the officials and provinces of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script, and to, its, to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote, in the name of the king Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring. And he sent the letters by mounted couriers, riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from a royal, uh, the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend themselves, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed forces of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. On one day, throughout all the provinces of King Osiris, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, a copy that was a copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly, publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command. And the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes and blue and white and with great golden crown and a robe of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews, for fear of Jews had fallen on them. Now in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, the thirteenth day of the same, which, or when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Osiris to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, and also killed uh, Parshadatha and Dalphon and Asphatha and Poratha and Adelia and Eridatha and Parmashta and Erisai and Aridai, Aridai and Vaisatha.
the ten sons of Haman, the sons of Hamath, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they laid hand, they laid no hand on the plunder. That very day, the number of those killed in Susa the citadel was reported to the king, and the king said to Queen Esther in Susa, the citadel of the Jews, the, uh, the Susa, the citadel, the Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men, and also ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? How or now? What is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed to allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict. And let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa, but they laid hands laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day, they rested and made that day a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day and on the 14th and rested on the 15th day, marking that day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in the rural, rural towns hold the 14th day of month of Adar as a day for gladness and feasting, as a holiday, and on the day on which they send gifts of food to one another. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same year by year. As the days as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for spending, or sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadetha, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pure that is, cast lots, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore they called, this, called these days Purim, for the term, after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter, and of, all, of what they had faced in this matter, and of... What had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them, that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written and at the time appointed every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation and every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai, the Jew, gave full written authority confirming this second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews uh, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus in word of peace and truth, that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai, the Jew, and the queen Esther obligated them. And as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their feasts and their lamenting, the command of Esther confirmed these practices of Purim, and it was recorded in writing. King Ahasuerus imposed tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea, and all the acts of his power and might, and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him, 
Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the king of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. And that is the book of Esther. We finished just in time. So uh, hopefully you've been kind of taking mental notes or maybe even written notes of anything that popped up uh, in this reading. Um, anything you notice in terms of you know structure? Uh, again, look at the the outline that that's in the packet, and try to see if there's anything there. Right? Uh, there is definitely something going on there. I will not tell you. <laughs> um, that will defeat the challenge. Right? Uh, the purpose. But anyway, um, m- my homework for you is uh, read the book again. And again, and again, and again, as many times as you can, and if at all possible, read it all the way through. Um, this uh, this one was this read through was just kind of you know very speedy, and and we're trying to get it done. And I was reading it for you, so you might have been like half asleep. Who knows? But you know, when you're reading it for yourself, try to be really diligent in noticing details um, and noticing the flow of thought structure. It is a narrative. Um, to do that. So uh, read as many times as you like, and, and maybe like after, you know, second or third time reading, uh, maybe you can go in and look at certain details, uh, pick out certain parts, and read it again uh, for uh, different purposes, try to look at different angles. Um, but that's my only homework for you. Um, if you can, read it again, and uh, uh, try to read it as close as you can. Um, any questions, comments? Uh, complaints? I was discovered about 281 years old. <laughs> and with Haman, when uh, the scribes began to the very date of the ancient. Mm-hmm. Now, Passover is not. Yeah. And the lots were cast in the 12th month, uh, then this period. Now, here's the date of Passover. That is the date that dates there. Yep. Passover and the Jews. It's interesting. These details in Esther, like you said, and we talked about this last uh, class period too, the name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther. But these details, uh, if you pay attention to them, it, 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 it points to God, right? And it points to the fact that people like Mordecai, Esther, and, and the Jews, they were not just some ethnic group. They were a, a people defined by their worship of God, and 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 there's a lot of irony and there's a lot of you know plot points like that playing playing into that. So it, it's really fascinating if you if you really look close into it. If you have any questions, like look up you know research. But when you notice those details, the the, the book comes to life, right? And and you really see what what. The message is, is trying to tell us what God is trying to tell us through the story of Esther. So, thank you for that, uh, pointing out that detail. I'm using ESV. Yep.